Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Scripture reading is from Psalm 119, verses 25 through 32. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I have declared my ways, and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts. So shall I meditate on your wonderful works. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove from me the way of lying, and grant me your law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. I cling to your testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Our speaker today, Brother Ralph Vandemark, you know, when we uh, launched the assembly, we launched it about a stone's throw from where the house that he and Lucy own. But at the time, they're at the camp and they're commended by Hiawasa. I remember bugging him out and said, you know, when, when you leave, are you thinking of coming over to Claremont? Thus far, the Lord's not led in that direction. But we did get their son, a valuable asset, as we know, to our assembly, Brother Andy. And, uh, but we're thankful for the, the things that the Lord has done in Ralph's life. And uh, he's serving the Lord now, not at the camp full time, but doing a lot of other things full time. We're happy that he could find time in his schedule to come and visit with us at Claremont. So we're going to turn our Bible instruction time now over to our brother Ralph Vandemark. And he said I had to turn it all the way over. I think it's... Nope. Hopefully... I'll be praying my voice holds out. Uh, this started about two weeks ago, and I just can't seem to shake it. Uh, I appreciate your prayers. Uh, Andy mentioned that I've had some tests that have gone on. Uh, I get cardiac tests every two years, and went into the doctor's office the other day, and he goes, uh... And I didn't like that. <laughs> he said he saw something, he's not sure what it was, between in my upper chambers of my heart. So he said, well, they got to do a, he called it a TEE. Now, I got to commend my wife. Her brother was over. Now, he's a paramedic. We were talking about it. My wife came the closest to figuring out, without looking it up, what a TEE is. She says, it's got to have something to do with the esophageal. It's a transesophageal echocardiogram. It's about this long. They put you to la-la land, stuff it down your throat, and look. Went in there Friday. Well, you know, I feel a little bit, a little bit like um, the Wizard of Oz. Now, my wife knows exactly, I think, where I'm going with this because we are involved with a, a camp group that, that works with a uh, certain type of children. And at the, on Friday night, they do this skit with uh, the Wizard of Oz, around the Wizard of Oz. And uh, I see, who is it that has no heart? The Tin Man? The Lion has no heart. <laughs> he says, well, you, no, I got a heart. <laughs> but he says, 
Nothing, nothing wrong that he could really see and pinpoint other than I'm getting a certain age, but there's no, uh, you know, by, by this time in my mother's life, age-wise, she had already had bypass surgery and stuff. None of that. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. I am very thankful that uh, I've not had the problems, but uh, I've had other things, you know. So, but we're, we're praising the Lord for, for the 20 years we did have at Camp Horizon. Uh, so, and we're, we're grateful for the opportunities. We were hoping to, to get up to Camp Hope in June, and that didn't work out. Uh, but uh, to help with a program up there, and, and we'll be back helping with these same children again in September, I think it is, the end of September. So uh, it's a very uh, worthwhile, wonderful uh, relationship we have with those folks that and uh, though it's not a lot of scripture that goes on, a lot of what they teach is very biblical based. Trying to help kids that just will, you know, the world calls them rebellious, but it's more than that. It really is. Enough about that. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, we thank you again for this opportunity. We thank you for the, your word and being able to open it. As we were just listening out of Psalms, that's, your word is the most important thing that we can hold in our hands because it will draw us closer to you and make us more like you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Where does the authority of the Bible come from? And what's its purpose? What's the word, what's the Bible, what's its purpose? There are many challenges out there today to the authenticity of the Bible. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to address these challenges. That's not the point. But I want us to look at some things that come up that people try and present, but more so for us to be grounded so that we can understand where the authority of Scripture comes from. I'm going to get Andy to turn that on. Um, this is our first passage I want to look to. You do not have all of it. So I'm going to start reading Matthew 22 at verse 23. The same day the Sadducees, now you folks that remember Harper, uh, he used to talk about this group, and they were sad, you see. I know. Poor joke, right? I had to do it. I'm sorry. But anyway, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked. And they go on and give this whole spiel about seven brothers having the same wife. 
In verse 29, Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures. Now, I want you to consider who these people were for a minute. There were two factions, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they felt they were the authority for scripture interpretation as Jews. Since the Bible, as they knew it, which is what we know as the Old Testament of the time, they said, well, you know, we're the authorities. We've studied it. We know what it says. And yet Jesus tells them, you are mistaken. Can you imagine the audacity? The audacity of this guy, this upstart, looking at him and say, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Stop and consider that a minute. Oh, yeah, we're, we're sons of Abraham, of Isaac and of Jacob. And they could quote the scriptures where it said, you know, God of Abraham or Isaac and Jacob. But they never put the two together, did they? Oh, yeah, they're, and they're thinking, yeah, they're dead. Did you ever stop and consider we're going to see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in heaven? Now, they were cantankerous people. <laughs> they lied. They did all kinds of things. Cheated. And yet... God considers them his people. And yet here's a group that just wanted to twist scripture just a little bit. Say, oh, there's no resurrection. I don't know what they believed. Because I, I know for myself, I'm, I'm happy to say my Bible tells me there is a Resurrection. The authority of the Bible is not based on man. It's not based on how we interpret it. It is grounded in the... Oh, I got it. That's right. I'm sorry. Uh, last week I had to do this. And I had to cue. There we go. In the self existent, supreme, eternal, supreme being. Now, if you didn't know, when you read capital L-O-R-D, capital G, little O-D, in your Bible, that's what it means. I know it's, it's a long thing, but think of the meaning. Think of the, the depth there. Self-existent. 
eternal supreme being. You know, it's easy to say Lord God. It's not so easy to say self-existent eternal supreme being. And yet, he is the one who created all things, including me, including you. Since he created us, who better to be the authority of what he wants to tell us, which is out of his word. To begin to understand scriptures correctly, we must first accept its inherent authority as the word of God. Next, we recognize that this self-existing eternal supreme being has revealed himself throughout all the 66 books. In all of them, except one, his name is mentioned. Now, if y'all don't know which books his name's not mentioned, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spill the beans. Y'all gotta go check it out. Or ask somebody. Just give you a little something to look forward to or to ask about and talk about. Thirdly, passages that we interpret must agree 100% with all the other portions of the Bible. If they don't agree, then we need to change our interpretation. God doesn't need to change His. Things that were accepted 100, 150 years as being this is what the Bible teaches. Today, in today's churches are being challenged. Oh, well, that's not really what it means. That's what the Sadducees said. That's not really, you know, so it's not anything new. But we must, we must interpret things. It's got to agree 100%. Fourthly, we must recognize the central place of Jesus Christ throughout Scripture, even in the Old Testament. Second Peter 1.16 For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, for were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For we rec he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, 
For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The other day I listened to a man who was talking to a group of college students. Somebody brought up a challenge that the Muslims have a different outlook on on Jesus. So why should we believe the Bible's account? He responded in asking them a question. Why do you think, or who do you think, would have a more accurate account of an incident? Think of this for yourself. Would someone who is writing 500 years after the event or eyewitnesses of the event? I ask the same question. Would anyone 100, 500,000 years after be able to write down what happened better than someone or group of people who had walked and lived with Jesus? I think we can all say in just a very loud no. No. Peter claimed this. I was an eyewitness. I heard God's voice speaking when we were there on the mount. And it's, it's even better when there's more than one account. We have four with the Gospels. Four accounts. Now Luke, we know, didn't necessarily walk with the Lord. We don't know where Luke really came in during this time, but he was able to have one-on-one conversations with those who had walked with the Lord. I think he, I think we can we can pretty much trust what he had to say because it cor, it correlates and agrees with the other three accounts. Second Timothy three fourteen, but you must continue in these things which you have learned, and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Andy, would you go get me a bottle of water, please? Thank you. Did you ever consider in the Bible the first mention of the written word? Let y'all think about that a little bit for here. Well, we can go back to Moses, can't we? On the Mount Sinai. And God gave him tablets that contained the Ten Commandments. I would think, thank you, by now, 
Um, there were writings. There's probably a lot of them in Egypt. They, they at one time had a very huge library which got destroyed. There is written record of that. <coughs> you know, when, uh, oh wow, historians attribute the scribing of the first five books of the Bible to Moses. <coughs> Place yourself with the children of Israel for a few moments there at Mount Sinai. All that they knew up to this point had been given to them orally. They knew enough that when it came time that they cried out to Jehovah, to the self-existent, eternal, supreme being. And <laughs> he brought them out of Egypt. As they're standing there at the base of the mountain, God speaks to them, not just through Moses, but speaks to them orally. <clears throat> and keep in mind, God had guided them with a, out of Egypt with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. Though they were safe, they had seen the destruction of Pharaoh's, Pharaoh and his army. They knew what God's power was all about. Knew what he was capable of. Though they had claimed to abide by God's word, they did not want to listen <laughs> to what God said verbally. Oh, no, 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 no. Let Moses, you speak to Moses and Moses pass it on to us. <clears throat> God desires to speak to each one of us individually. Now today, we don't hear him auditorially. But he's given us his word, and he speaks through it. Other times he'll push us. Sometimes he's got to push us to get us to do things. You know, one might say this was the opening of the rebellion that eventually led to most of them dying in the wilderness, this rejection. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 6.1 Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. <clears throat> Now, Deuteronomy is not derived from the Hebrew name for this book. It's derived from the Greek name, which kind of loosely is translated second law. 
Now, it's not a second law. It's a reiteration, a second time, of what God gave them there at, at Mount Sinai and along the way that's, that's told us in, in Numbers and then also in Leviticus. Forty years have passed. The Israelites have now arrived on the shores of the Jordan River. Moses is reviewing all that has taken place from the time that God brought them out of Egypt. <clears throat> and as, there's, as, he, as he's saying these things, there are only three adults left out of that whole band of thousands. Now, not talking about the kids. Kids grew up, but we're talking about the the adults, only three are left. Moses has been the one talking face to face with God. <clears throat> but before they cross the river, even Moses will be taken from them by God. Only two of the original adults is going to cross the Jordan River. Think about that. So Moses reviews the importance of studying the commandments and keeping them. Now, it's not just the priests who have the written word. Have you ever thought about, thought about that? The commandment was for every household to have this at least portions of it. Why do I know that? Because it says, you know, you're going to put it, <clears throat> well, I haven't read that verse yet, so y'all don't know yet. Um, let me advance that so we can talk about it. Verse 6, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. Why? So that the word of God is forefront, is there in every aspect of their lives and of our lives. Now jo Joshua was appointed to be the next one to lead the children of Israel. In his first chapter, oh, didn't change. Oh, I, aha, I didn't change it. You caught me, Buck. You caught me. All right. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord, all capitals, your God, is with you wherever you go. 
And it didn't just stop there. It didn't just stop there in the Old Testament. When Jesus walked this earth, what was available to study? Only the Old Testament. And while he was there, I I dare say nothing had been really written about him. Nobody was walking around uh, with that little computer typing away as they're going down the the roads of uh, Israel, of Judah, or in Galilee. Oh, they didn't have computers there. But there's no scribe there that we know of. But he and John, he tells them to his disciples, they still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Wow. He's a prophet of his own, isn't he? He's telling them what's coming. Did it take place? Yes, we now have what we call the New Testament that reveals so much more. As we wind down here, I want us to be reminded of what a king was to do when the Israelites dwelt in the land. Deuteronomy, make sure it's open. Did I go too far? Oh, I failed to put this one in. Deuteronomy 17. Let you turn to it. I'll give you you half a second. Deuteronomy 17, 18. Also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests, the Levites, And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom he and his children in the midst of Israel. John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There's a passage that Buck brought forth earlier. And a few verses later, it talks about King of kings and Lord of lords. But it also says, 
he had a vesture on him. And that vesture was called the Word of God. Scripture came to us from a, a God of the living, self-existent, eternal, supreme being, not by the will of man, Holy men moved by the Holy Spirit. Scripture is given that the man of God, us, may be complete. That's a promise. That's something we can strive and, and in a sense, desire to. God wants that for us. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who better? be King of kings and Lord of lords than the Word himself, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.